morning, I want to address an issue that's uh, happening in our church, uh, our world right now. The world is on fire, isn't it? There is a crisis taking place all around the globe, and there is a lot of fear. And, uh, and my concern is the Christian community, the church. What is to be the voice of uh, the church? Oh, sorry, kids. We didn't have that slide this morning, did we? You are... You are dismissed at Children's Church. Yeah, they're all begging. Please, Pastor, let us go. Let us go. But uh, there, there are pastors uh, speaking on both sides of this issue when it comes to the refugee crisis. And if you follow me on Facebook, you know exactly where I'm coming from this morning. And... Uh, and, you know, I don't want to come across as condescending or I'm right or you're wrong and you're wrong. You know, I want us to hear God's voice this morning. What, what does God want us to believe? How does God want us to behave? Um, I watched a YouTube video uh, of a of a pastor of a megachurch in Dallas, Texas this week. And uh, before he preached, he wanted to address the Paris crisis. And uh, in the first part of uh, his, uh, his statements to the church, um, he, he basically quoted uh, verbatim one of the GOP candidates um, in regard to... Uh, bombing ISIS, you know, and saying, you know, we should bomb the you-know-what out of ISIS. And, and I don't disagree with that. But the, the second thing he said was, and we should close our borders to all refugee, refugees. And as he said that, the congregation stood and gave him a standing ovation. Now, this is a leading pastor in our Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and so I want to address that this morning. And I know that we've been hearing a lot this week, and particularly from the uh, politicians and the uh, presidential candidates. And... Uh, you know, I understand where they're coming from. They are speaking in relationship to what's best uh, for our country. They're speaking in regards to our national interests. And they're going to say whatever's necessary to garnish as many votes as possible. But they don't speak for the church. God's word speaks to the church. And this morning, please know that my words are not directed towards the government's responsibility. Okay, now the government obviously has a responsibility. They, the God, God has instituted the governments um, to protect uh, the people of the world, the various uh, countries of the world. God has ordained those leaders to serve in those places. And we have a government, and the government's responsibility is to, pre to protect the American citizen. 
And when there's violence in the world, um, yes, we should marshal our military to address uh, whatever evil, whatever violence is taking place among other people uh, in other parts of the world. God, the military is, uh, is, is God's sword. It, it represents God's righteousness and wrath against evil. And it ought to be used. I believe we should defeat ISIS and not merely contain ISIS. It's a wrong approach, but, but this is something that our government decides and the president of our United States. But this morning, I want to talk about the church and how is the church to respond to the refugee crisis. And I know that um, the church is divided. In fact, um, those who agree that we should uh, open our borders to uh, Syrian ref- refugees who are trying to come here right now, that that view is in the minority. There was a uh, Pew uh, Pew uh, poll taken uh, this last week, and uh, among Protestants, 42% approve of bringing Syrian refugees to the U.S., and 54% disapprove. Among Catholics, it's a bit different. For Catholics, 59% approve and 38% disapprove. And so in sharing this morning, let me just share with you what my heart and my responsibility is as your pastor. God hasn't called me to tell you what you want to hear. God has called me to to share what God's word says. What I believe God has called us to do. To do. There's a lot of fear about Syrian refugees coming to our soil. There's a lot of fear among Christians. But I want to propose this morning that that, that fear is coming from a nationalistic, Americanized version of Christianity. That fear is not kingdom-focused. We're thinking about our interests, what's best for our nation, than building God's kingdom. I love my country. But when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I was only eight years old when I surrendered my life to Christ, and so I didn't understand all the implications of of Christianity. But I've learned that when it comes to my allegiance, the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, takes a higher priority than the United States flag. God's kingdom work is my highest priority. And you're not going to hear that among GOP candidates. But that's not their responsibility. 
as a church, as a pastor, we need to be kingdom focused. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And these are ugly days because people, people are motivated by fear. And I want to say this, my friends, if you don't have a, a theological foundation that's deeply rooted in the sovereignty of God, it's going to be easy to fear. And fear is going to drive your choices. It's going to be, it's going to drive who you listen to. It's going to mesmerize, you know, uh, different uh, television programs. You're going to read uh, journalism that's baked with half-truths. You know, I'm amazed at what the articles that I find on the Internet anymore. Supposedly conservative articles. And oftentimes, they're sensationalized because they're not really concerned about the truth. They're concerned about you liking what they've written so that other people will read it as well. The only truth out there, church, is not from the Democrats or the Republicans. This is the truth. And we are to stand for the truth. We are to build our lives on the truth. And we don't have to fear the future because we know how it's all going to end and we're going to win. But our theology needs to be deeply rooted in the sovereignty of God. Because if it's not, well, we have the fear that people are talking about today. I, uh, this morning on Twitter, um, I, I like to follow Russell Moore. Ru- Russell Moore is, uh, represents Southern Baptists in, in uh, Washington, D.C., I want to encourage you to follow Russell Moore. Uh, he heads up our Ethics, Religious, and Liberties Commission, uh, ERLC. Uh, look it up. Google it. Um, but follow him. But he was being interviewed along with a, a rabbi, a senior rabbi of a, of a Jewish temple here in Los Angeles. And the person doing the interviewing asked both men the question, you know, what, what is the passage? What's your text that um, um, helps you inform your um, constituency? And for Russell Moore, he mentioned the Good Samaritan. And uh, <clears throat> very appropriate. But uh, Rabbi David Walt said this. If you've got your Bibles, look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. This isn't in your outline this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. This is Moses' words to the children of Israel um, as they are preparing to go into the promised land. 
Okay, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years, and he's reminding them of the law that God gave them um, back to uh, their parents' generation. But verse 9 says this. He says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. This is what um, Rabbi David said, and I quote this. He says, you have to guard the integrity of your soul and what you believe and have a certain amount of faith, not not only the country, but in God. That is part of the mission. And I'm afraid as a church and as Christians, we're listening more to the media than we are to God's word and who God is. And I want you to know that when it comes to the media, they are not deeply rooted in the sovereignty of God. They're not. And that's not where you and I as Christians need to be getting the bulk of our information. The stuff they put out only adds gasoline to the fire. Amen? I want you to know this morning, church, that God is shaking the world. I mean, things that are happening today are unprecedented. And I know that there is an evil, satanic influence in this world. And they are getting a lot of ink. But I want you to know that God is orchestrating all the satanic influence. Is he causing the evil? No. But he's allowing it for his sovereign purposes. God is in control God does his very best work. His very best work in crisis. And we're going to look at that more in a moment. But you have got to trust the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over all crisis. We see that both in the Old and New Testament, but um, we saw we see that in uh, Jesus' birth. Jesus is two years old. Herod becomes aware that there is a king that has been born in Bethlehem. And so he sends uh, his soldiers to Bethlehem, and he orders all babies, two years old and younger, to be slaughtered. And so the Lord leads Mary and Joseph with their, their, with baby Jesus to go to Egypt for protection. Did you know that our Lord is a refugee? God sent him to Egypt for a period of time that he could continue to, to live. We see God working in crisis in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Christians are are uh, enjoying the fellowship and uh, 
community there in Jerusalem, and God never intended the the Christians in Jerusalem to stay in Jerusalem. They were to go to the ends of the earth. So what did God do? He sent persecution to the Christian community. Stephen was stoned to death. And the Christians uh, uh, moved out of Jerusalem and spread across the, the uh, uh, Asia and, uh, and Europe, spreading the gospel. God was behind all that. And this morning we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. This was a crisis moment. You know, in the world's perspective, from the world's perspective, this was God's greatest failure. Jesus died. But for us as Christians, it became our most glorious moment. Because it was through Jesus' death on the cross that we were able to obtain redemption, the forgiveness of sin. When there's darkness spread across the land, you know what? God's light shines brightest. Now is not the time to fear and feel helpless and hopeless. Because God is moving. God is moving some of the most hard, some of the hardest people in the world to reach. Muslims. I read this week that uh, 100,000 Muslims have come to faith in Jesus Christ because they've seen the lie of their religion and, and believe that Jesus is the truth. God does his greatest work in crisis. And obviously, still, I know I'm making some of you nervous. You know, I saw a video this week um, in, re- in regards to uh, the refugees moving, running into Belgium and Germany primarily. And the chaos that has been taking place in those two countries, it is out of control. And what, it, and what comes to our country and bringing refugees into our country, we are totally different from Europe. We have much higher control over who we allow into this country than does Europe right now. But I, I, I want to apologize for something I said a couple weeks ago. I, I was a bit passionate and enthusiastic. and I said, I said that we should just open up the floodgates and allow the refugees to come in. That was careless. And I shouldn't have said those words. But I don't think we should be closing our borders. And that there needs to be a high standard of determining uh, who we do allow in to this country and who we don't. We must show prudence with great compassion. Uh, 
and I, like you, I, like you, want to live in a, in a safe and peaceful land. You know, in thinking about refugees coming to the United States, I want my neighbor to be as safe as I am. But what I want isn't nearly as important as what God wants. To say that we would be closing our borders is would be turning our backs on people who are fleeing for their lives and running for the terrorists and want what we and need what we have to offer. I looked at some pictures this week of uh, children and where they were these refugee children were sleeping all over the world, the places they were sleeping in. And I can't imagine Jesus looking at those pictures and saying to them, we don't want you here. That's not the heart of God. And that is not what the church should be saying either. We must guard our soul and not let keep not let fear keep us from doing what God says is right. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If we truly loved people, church, we wouldn't be afraid. Because perfect love casts out fear. That's our duty. But for many, many Christians, we are thinking the nationalistic, Americanized version of Christianity. It's not security over compassion. It is security and passion. Compassion. What does Jesus call us to do? Jesus calls us to carry our cross. And this morning as we observe the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of the price Jesus paid for us. Jesus' love sent him to the cross. How could that happen? Because perfect love cast it out any fear. It was his love for us that drove him there. And Jesus told us the night before he was betrayed to remember, always remember the great sacrifice that he made for us. And so this morning, we're going to um, remember that Jesus' love drew, drove out his fear. But then the Lord's Supper is also an invitation to us. Jesus says that if you are going to be my disciple, you must carry your cross. And so the supper is an 
opportunity to remind ourselves of the cross you and I are to carry. That we are to join in his sufferings. When Jesus carried his cross, was it convenient for him? No. He had to deny himself. And you know, allowing in our enemy, we're going to have to deny ourselves as well. But you might say, well, Pastor, that's just not safe. A terrorist might come in, but but to totally shut off our borders because of one terrorist, how many innocent, vulnerable, hurting people are we turning away? God's way, God's way is not always safe. If it wasn't safe for his son, God didn't spare his son from safety. God's not going to spare you and I from safety as well. But with God, we're going to win. God may not be safe, but God is always good. We must follow Christ. And when we observe the Lord's Supper, or when we uh, publicly testify of our faith in Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism, you know what we're saying? Our allegiance belongs to God and His kingdom. Our allegiance isn't to the United States of America. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. We are the body of Christ. We are the voice of Jesus. And we represent him, not only in this country, but all around the world. Let me read Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I've heard pastors this week say, well, I believe in that. I think we just should be doing that in their land. You know, we'll just send resources and and, uh, what they need. We'll go, we'll send it to them elsewhere. I don't see this command taking place overseas. I see this as right here in the present, person to person. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. When Jesus observed the Lord's Supper for the first time with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, the Bible says he washed the disciples' feet. Jesus washed the feet of the most dangerous man in the room, Judas. Jesus knew exactly what Judas was about to do, and yet Jesus continued to pursue Judas. Jesus continued to love Judas. Jesus invited Judas to come back to Jesus. But Judas ignored it. That's what Jesus would have us to do to our enemy. And you might be here and you're saying, well, pastor, I'm not Jesus. And to that I would say, well, you haven't counted the cost then, have you? The the cross is costly. The cross is dangerous. The cross isn't safe. And if we're, when we're not trusting God's sovereignty, if we don't believe that God is on His throne, we are greatly afraid. But when we understand the gospel and the the priority that the gospel, the kingdom of God is to be in our life. We don't have to be afraid. We have the hope. We have the truth. God is in control and we must trust him. God is shaking the world right now, church. The 1040 window, the hardest people on the planet to reach are wanting to come to our doorstep. Yeah, there are some bad eggs in it, but I'm trusting that our State Department, our security is filtering out those. I I can't imagine a terrorist wanting to come through the refugee program. Because they are going to be highly scrutinized and followed for a long period of time. It's much easier just to get a, a, uh, um, a tourist visa uh, to come over for a short period of time or try to sneak through the, our southern border. The refugee system is not the way to go. But the people who are hardest to reach are coming to us now 
we haven't been able to go to them. Those countries have been closed. God is behind all of this. And we need to be His voice. And you may not agree with me, but I want you to just pause, okay? What have you been listening to? Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to people I agree with. I know. You need to pause and indeed to read the Word of God. The supper is a reminder of what Jesus did for us. He had no fear because his love drove away fear. And the supper is a reminder to us of the cross that we are to carry. We are to suffer with him. Let's pray. Worship team's going to come. We're going to sing a song. Amazing grace. Before, before we partake of the supper. But let me pray. Father, I pray for us here in this venue. I pray for our traditions venue. And God, you know every heart that's here. And God, my words have not been easy. But I believe they're your your words. I, I believe that these are words that you would have us to hear this morning. That voice is very faint in our culture today. And God, you know, you know the fear that is in people's hearts, particularly Christians' hearts. God, may we trust your sovereignty. The world is in crisis, but God, you work best in crisis. You move people. You orchestrate even the evil for your good, for your glory, to build your kingdom. We've seen it in the New Testament, and we're seeing it today. God, help us to be obedient. Remind us of the cross that we are to carry to be your disciples. We may not feel like we are Jesus, or we feel like we are like Jesus. But Jesus, you call us to be you. Help us to be your voice. What's God saying to your heart this morning? you need to do some more investigation, investigate. Turn off the television. Turn off the social media. 
to God's word. Ask him to help you to see that he's in control of everything. God, prepare our hearts for the supper this morning. We thank you for what it means, for what you did. God, may our lives reflect our gratitude. Would you stand with me as we sing?